Hey, hey, I'm Rob Brockman. Hey. I'm Chris Hayes. Yeah, we're here yeah. to talk uh, What's the Schemata, uh, our Schema Therapy podcast. Um, today, we've, you know, obviously I've got Chris here, all the way from Perth, um, yep. and we're, we're going to talk about the topic of avoidance. Yeah, and um, this is our se- second um, episode. Yeah. yeah, it's all happening. So, look, we're gonna hopefully uh, going to keep um, pumping these uh, little chats to psychologists talking about schema therapy with coffee for you know for the next foreseeable future so yeah today you know avoidance something we've been working on a little bit is um is the general theme of avoidance uh, whether it be you know obviously our patients are really good at avoiding things and have a million and one ways of avoiding you know in their lives and they bring that often into the therapy uh, in different ways and also maybe therapist avoidance you know are there are there times in which we can be complicit in that in some way so yeah, so I think, you know, I, I, when I was thinking about this and we were discussing this, it wasn't just, you know, avoiding personality disorder. It was more, you know, when you start talking to people and if you've been doing any imagery or doing any chair work and, and you should show of hands in a workshop and then, you know, maybe half the group says, yeah, and then the other half of the group saying no. So there's something in that. Um, the As therapist in like therapists, whether they do imagery work, for example. Yeah, or experiential stuff. That's often a big thing. Mm, um, yeah. yeah, but also just, you know, you know, I don't know about you, but often I listen to tape ratings and you do find that kind of, you know, some people tend to just have, you know, sort of a, a more of a, a chat in, in the client's frame. You know, they have a, a chat in the session and... Um, it's a support of psychotherapy kind of thing mm. uh, with schema therapy references. Yeah, but, yeah. So maybe yeah. we can start there, Chris. I mean, because one of the things that you brought up was was this general theme of um, chit chat in therapy. Yeah, it's a kind of chatty, maybe intellectualizing space. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about you, but sometimes you do. Uh, you notice that you know maybe even for myself, if you've got a client that's a little bit avoidant of doing particular material, or I'm not feeling confident, you know it's very easy to slip into that. He's, how's the week been? Do a bit of limited parenting. Has that you know how's 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 things been happening with your husband? You know this sort of stuff. Maybe do a bit of validation, but um, the 45 minutes goes, and boom. And you haven't made any room for for any experiential work. Yeah, or just or any connecting, you know, and I still have that kind of, you know, idea in my mind when I was doing my training in schema therapy and Jeff Young, you'd always be saying to us as our group, um, you know, a session in detached protector is a wasted session. So, you know, this idea that, you know, it's important that we build a connection with clients and we um, respect their their you know, mode wishes, for example, if they don't want to talk about particular things or they don't want to do particular things. But at the same time, we're kind of getting that balance between, you know, kind of pushing to connect with emotions and connect with a client yeah. and, and, and also just colluding. So I think, I don't know about you, what do you think about colluding? Do you think, do you find a lot of people tend to you realize I'm really colluding with my client's avoidance? They're sneaky. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm always, um, on the lookout for that, I've, uh, you know, in, in myself and then you're sure in any sort of tapes, if I'm doing tape ratings and whatnot, I mean, I think you have to be on, on the ball with that because it's so easy just to kind of slip into, you know, normal patterns or get comfortable with the patient in different ways, you know, collude with people on different things. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I, I think some people don't realize that they're colluding sometimes and that's not a, 
it's not a bad thing. I think it's sometimes people want to respect people's, you know, emotions and, and, you know, maybe don't want to push them too hard. So they end up being in these sort of... Um, so I guess so that one of the things I, I try to think about is, um, you know, sometimes making some little bit of space for chit-chat and having that limited, you know, some people say, oh, well, can you just have five minutes in the, in the beginning of the session or something like that. Um, but, you know, the other side of that is to remember that the active parts of uh, the treatment, one of the big things is, is the, going to be the experiential techniques. Um, yeah, and yeah. so we have to keep that in mind that as much as it's nice to okay even give some space to chit chat or even just focusing on attunement you know in the beginning of the session, um, once we're in the active phase the treat you know the treatment the pattern break you know treatment phase of of schema therapy uh, we need to make space for you know experiential sessions as much as we can you know yeah yeah um, my general rule is is once we're in the change phase I don't know what what yours is Chris um, my general rule to myself is I try to get one bit of experiential work done each mm. session. Um, mm. That's I have the intention of doing that mm. each session, uh, knowing that maybe half the time we'll get sidetracked by life and chaos and, you mm. know, yeah. pay the rent or different things yeah. that might have happened. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't have accommodation or whatever. Yeah. But if yeah. I've got the intention to try to connect to that um, yeah. every session, then mm. I might, we might only get around to it every, every two sessions. Yeah, but, yeah. but if you don't do that, if if you sort of have the intention to do it every two sessions, then you end up mm. doing it every four sessions or every eight sessions. Yeah, I mean, you know, if, if you've got the intention to connect and trying to bypass, you know, most of the time if you have chaos and you have emotion stuff in in the room, then you can do that and work with that. Um, one thing that I personally find is is sort of having a bit of a structure to your sessions for the therapist. Yeah. So kind of having a bit of an idea where, you know, sure, you want to tune into the client. So I kind of talk about the, the tune in, you know, tuning into you know, the needs of the client. You want to be where they're at and that might be about, you know, just responding to what they've got happening and, mm. you know, nurturing and attune, attunement and limited parenting kind of sentiments and linking. But the second bit is the work. Now, if you've got, your, 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 you know, you're on the clock a little, and you're 25 minutes in and you haven't really done much in terms of connecting with the client and you've just been talking about what's been going on and referencing schema terms, I personally think that that's a bit of a kickstart for the therapist to go, okay, well, how about we do something yeah. X to connect with the so part I guess that's actually suffering? This, this was a big thing for me when I did my, my own training in schema therapy, um, just having that structure of, I mean, in my head I call it the 20-20-20 rule which is a broad idea of trying to split up your session into, into those three parts. So we've got, yeah. right, we talk about this in our workshops, mm. first 20-ish minutes um, of, yeah. of an attunement phase, you know, where you're going to sit on your hands a bit and we're going to hear about any homework and any struggles with that. Mm. But, but mainly we've got some space to talk about the triggers, you know, yeah, what perfect. is the week that, the, you know, it's been happening where the problem has shown up in their life. Let's talk about that. I want to understand it, you know, mm. what that was like for you. Yep. And and we talked a little bit in the last segment, um, the last podcast on um, maybe applying a little bit of an attunement um, idea to that. I mean, what that might look like. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know if you want to talk about that. Again. Yeah, you want to talk a bit about that? Yeah, let, let's, so again, let's we don't flush want to that out. have to repeat too much. But, um, you know, in that in that first 20 minutes, it's the idea of not being overly active and sort of thinking like you've got to do some technique to them or something. Mm, yeah, definitely. Hands a bit. 
and just sort of meeting them where they're at and trying to understand mm. what's been happening from a, from a schema perspective, from a mode perspective. Um, so we came up with this little framework which um, Chris and I actually presented in Amsterdam and it's now made it into a couple of publications. One of them is, is the Schema Therapy for Eating Disorders um, book. I think it's Chapter 9 we have in there where we talk about attunement. And this, um, so anyone actually can contact me and ask for the chapter and I'll send it to them. Um, and sort of goes through a sort of stepped process. So the, the first step being um, to connect to very specific episodes of distress all right, so don't don't let them sort of chain on from one thing to the next. Yeah, because it's a big thing, isn't it? You see people go, oh, yeah, and that reminds me this happened and then, oh, my life is this and this is happening. And it's like to slow it down. Hey, it's slow just, it down, Rob. Rob, slow down. <laughs> this sort of thing. Slow down. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and then it just mm. looks a bit more like chit-chat or it becomes very cognitive. Yeah, it's cognitive or you know, a process of just you know jumping from one thing to the other. So you might say, okay, just hold up on that that bit. Just hold up on what you're about to say. I just really want to get this bit. Yeah, let me understand me. what that yeah. was like because it's, yeah. that was important. Yeah. So getting uh, a very specific trigger. So often yep. it'll be something, and I know lots of things can sort of bubble away for people, mm. but when they really, really feel pain or they get triggered with their anger or their shame or whatever, it's often one moment that really does it for them. So, so I want to understand that. And, and that's sort of narrowing down. So yeah. it's often like, you know, what was the moment? What was, was it the look on his face? You yeah. know, was it the words? What, you know, what yeah. was it that just kind of mm. you that day? Yep. Yep. You know, and, and, and now we're in a space, yeah, I think you can already feel that. Mm. See, that's going to start to get into an emotional space. Yeah. And even with even talking like that, it's like giving that sort of sense of um, heightening of the emotional kind of material. You know, what's it like when he's looking at you like that? Do you feel that in your body? Yeah. It's almost a dramatic thing. Yeah. Really yeah. Sort of, you, know, yeah. What, you know, what were the words? What was he looking yeah. at you? Exactly. Sort of getting yep. into that. And the yep. next bit is, as you allude to, is to get into the feelings. Yeah. To ask you know, Feelings. Now, now I used to do the old sort of almost like a CBT thing, and then go to thoughts. Yeah, but right. I've, yeah. I've found over time if you if you mm. actually ask for thoughts, it exactly. pulls them back up in your yeah, head perfect. Space. Yeah, totally. So yeah. what I've learned to do is say, and how did that? How did that feel? You know, yeah. having mm. him scream at you like that in front of everyone, mm. in front of your colleagues. I mean, mm. What did that feel like for you? And, f- and feelings, the affect. And I'm the same with them doing imagery and that kind of stuff. Is the feelings are the more accessible component. So often, yeah. you know, going with. Yeah, getting a sense of well, what does it feel? What's that like? You maybe even broadening out the physical sensations as well. Hundred you know? percent. Yeah. So usually we think in that phase we want to we want to maybe explore any affect label. So mm. you know, did, for them, is it a feel? Does it feel like anger? Does it feel like shame? You know, that sort of thing. Yeah. But maybe more importantly, you know, where does that show up for them in their body? Yeah. You know, can they? What's the sense of that when they feel angry? When they feel you know, disrespected, whatever it is, mm. you know, yep. where does that show up? Can they feel mm. in their throat? Can they feel in their stomach? Mm. So we mm. start to connect again. You, I think you, you can sort of see where we're going. Now we're in a much more attuned space. Yeah. You know, not only am I attuning, but they're starting to tune in. Mm. Now, interestingly, some patients, when you ask them for their feelings, they actually go to thoughts. So this is yeah. always below the neck. Work. Go below right? the neck. Yeah. Below the neck. What's below the neck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it almost tells <laughs> yeah. you a little bit about the problem they're having, like yeah. how they regulate. Mm. Yeah, actually, that's a good go. point. Yeah, because I think you often see clients talking and they go, well, I think this and I think, hey, hey, slow down. What are you been Thinking's different. So, yeah, well, you literally, like, you'll say, look, and, and how did you mm. feel? And they'll, they'll say, well, I just thought that, you know. Yeah. And you'll, well, hang on a second. Or the yeah. other one is they'll go straight to coping. So yeah. they'll skip over the feelings yeah. and they'll go yeah. to like what they want. Well, I just wanted to bash him. Like I just yeah, wanted exactly. to run out yeah. of there or yeah. Yeah. I wanted to clobber yeah. the guy. 
Yeah. Like, well, hang on a second. That's, mm. that's what you wanted to do with it, right? Mm. It's just come back into this feeling space a little bit. More. Yeah. Like, as you said, yeah. slow down. You know, slow what, down. What's that like? What did that feel? Mm. I'm sure you felt something before you mm, went yeah. down clobbering. Mm. Mm-hmm. What's the feeling in there? Mm. So we get, you know, explore that stuff. Uh, and then in this, at least in this sequence, in the protocol we've come up with, um, then we explore um, we explore the meaning, you know. Yeah. We, don't, we don't understand, you know, what it really meant for them that mm. all this was happening and they felt like mm. off and, you know, what did it really mean? Yeah, trying to access and, the cognition to yeah. the, or the, and the meaning yeah, in your belief system. Yeah, we're trying to get the meaning bit. Mm. Exactly, we're trying to get at the schema. But notice mm. I'm not asking about your thoughts because that will mm. often pull them again above them. Mm. Right? Mm. Mm. What did it really mean for you when he was screaming mm. you like that? Mm. Well, it just meant I was just, I felt like a piece of crap or, you know, whatever it was. And sometimes people don't know. And look, this happens a lot too, doesn't it? Where you go, what, do you, what does that mean? What's that like for you? You know, and I don't, you know, they, they might not know. The same goes with the idea of uh, needs. You know, what do you need? You know, mm. you want why you can use a bit of exploratory sort of work with the client too by saying something yeah. like, is it kind of like you might need or is it kind of like he was looking at you and speaking that way and, and you felt totally insignificant? Like I'm getting that right. Almost like you weren't worth anything. Yeah, exactly. That kind of, yeah. but you know, you could, you could, you know, preface it by saying, you know, is it kind of like, am I getting that right? Yeah. You know, could it and be? You know, that kind of stuff. And then if it is, then winning. If it's not, then you can tune in and you, right. you, got, you haven't got the attunement. And yeah. hopefully people, you can what you can see too is we're using the schema taxonomy here mm, mm. as a kind of a way of tuning mm. into the Yeah, absolutely. So we're sort yeah. of like either they'll be saying, yeah, you know, I felt like, you know, I was left all alone and abandoned. And you're like, yeah, mm. yeah that's a bad mm. schema. Mm. Um, but even if they're, if they're not able to tune into that, then you can mm. use your own understanding to sort of, tentatively mm. put forward you know as you say you know mm. was it a bit like he was talking down to you was it a bit mm. like mm. you know he's 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 in charge or he's superior or mm. you know what was it like for you so the key so, thing here really is the steps of you know slow it down tune in get get it the, get, get the tune in get, get specific then you're giving a client an option so you get into that kind of little you know do you want to do some work on x and then what I said is that the last 20 minutes, so then the 2020-20, the third phase is, is, the, is the, you know, the take home or what's the wash up mm. from doing that. Mm. But I think, you know, I think having that framework does make a big difference. And I think it's a long-term therapy. We're going to be doing longer-term work with clients. It's just really easy to, to suddenly you do your formulation, you do with imagery, and then the client sort of, you know, drifts off. What I, you know, I think it's not a, a thing that I think that clients try to do deliberately, but I think, you know, if someone doesn't want to talk about something or doesn't want to feel something, they could use, you know, and maybe exploit your weaknesses as the therapist yeah. in some ways. So if you're not very confrontational or you don't really want to rock the boat, you know, they will, they will, in a part of well, them will in, enjoy that. Well, here's you know, a good one. I'm going to give you one. This is one that happened. I'll be very gen- generic. Um, you know, person comes in wanting to address their trauma memories. You're working up mm. to it. You're get, getting rid of some imagery. All of a sudden they're like, oh, no, no, no. Um, it's not about the trauma memories. It's about the grief. I just want to focus yeah. on some, some grief. Yeah, right. Right. Uh, and sort of changing. Right. Yeah. Changing the, the sort of therapeutic goal just as mm. if you're about to do some trauma work. Yeah, so yeah. I kind of find that every now and then there's those kind of people that seem so you start to think, okay, is this about avoidance? You know, that's yeah. got to be one of the hypotheses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So in that situation, I mean, I'm guessing, you know, what's the, is, could there be a part of you that doesn't want to necessarily deal with X problem and it's easier to deal with Y problem? Could that be happening or am I getting that wrong? Or Yeah, or people will say, know. I had another one the other day, it would be like, oh, you know, you know what the problem is? I don't, I don't think it's these memories as much as um, I just want to focus on my body image, you know, and all the sorts yeah. of things I'm doing and, you know, yeah, I want right. to be able to, to love myself. Mm. Yeah, you know, right. So this is yeah, kind of yeah, last yeah. minute um, mm. changing the goalposts. Yeah, right, right, right. A couple of other things I thought, you know, in terms of some of those other kind of, you know, apart from the chit-chat idea was, you know, classic, de- I mean, obviously denial of feelings, you know, denial of having emotional kind of stuff. No, it's all good, I'm fine, da 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 this sort of stuff. You know, also, um, you know, minimizing and accommodating other people's behavior as a way as a, you know, so if you think of it in terms of the detached protector, this sort of stuff, your denial will be a big, you know, part of the detached protector, minimizing, you know, um, also just being secretive and maybe lying to you can be kind of tough to take as well. But, you know, I guess that's, okay. yeah, good, yes. that. That interesting. well, you know, kind of, um, lying out of a mission, you know, like, or, you know, not bringing up particular things that, that, that have kind of quite salient, you know, it's not necessarily, it's more, you know, not necessarily premeditated. There's but, a good oh, one. That's I, a good one. Like, yeah. so how do you feel about that, Chris? That happens to me every now and then. And you'd be like, I don't know, I was, was so frustrated over it. It's kind of like, really? Like, so you're telling me now there's a part yeah. of that that's like, really? Yeah. Like tw- 20 sessions and then now you get yeah. this. Well, look, um, I, think, I think some clients just really need to feel safe, you know, and, and yeah. that, that's fair enough. What I do, obviously, I do a lot of work with trauma. And I have had so many clients that I've, you know, seen them for 30 sessions and they go, you know, did I tell you about my uncle? And I go, no. And, you know, a part of that is also, you know, therapists have a situation where they you don't ask, don't tell, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, if you're assessing a client and the client, you know, is only telling you particular things, maybe they're presenting with panic disorder or anxiety and it's kind of, you know, sort of comfortable to talk about and they want some strategies to deal with that. That's fair enough. But, um, you know, you don't ask about, you know, salient events or trauma-based events necessarily. And if you're inclined to be in a bit of an avoider. Yeah. Like these things, they come out yeah. of time. Well, they don't come out of nowhere. You're not going to ask if they're, you know, they're not going to respond to it unless they've been asked. Yeah. So what I tend to do is I often use this, uh, there's a LEC 5, the Life Events Checklist 5. I often use that as a bit of a screener for trauma. Mm-hmm. So it's big That's T fun. trauma. And it's sort of, it's a good can opener. You don't have to talk about it, but just, okay, you know. So, you know, you've, you, so it has like a, a system where it's like talking about different Listen, know there's something like events. Yeah, and you can kind of see happen to me, whatever, whatever. And then you can have a discussion about that as you go. Now, now something I wanted to talk about is, um, okay, so that we talked a lot more about attunement, but also we've got this agenda of saying, look, but we're going to need to do some, some work here because we know that that's important you know that we get around to some of that some of that experiential work if we're going to help people through their problems um but that's also going to mean at times maybe being a little bit more involved in sort of confronting the patient on their avoidance. yeah right so as the therapist being more yeah yeah sympath- yeah empathically confronting the avoidance yeah, or just yeah, the, absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah like, totally. so, and what do you want to say about that like what's the role of us in, in using empathic confrontation and more of those sort of boundary side of being mm. a therapist? Well, I think it's two, twofold. I think one thing is that we need to encourage and empathically con, you know, confront when clients are not maybe, 
you know, following through to the things or not wanting to talk about particular things, which you think would be ultimately helpful to them. So we need yeah. to kind of do that. And we can usually do that by modes. You could do some mode work. You could do some chair work even with the part that doesn't want to talk about what happened and the part that does and, and get a, you know, sort of a mode dialogue with that. The second thing is a bit of guidance, I think, as well. Like, you know, it's more and being collaborative, you know, so clients might say something like, you know, I really just want some strategies to, to you know, work out my time management or something, mm. you know. You could be using your role or saying, well, I know that's important, but I think, you know, what's also important is that we deal with this. And I think having guidance in the therapy is a part of the limited parenting. Mm. You know, it's okay for you to suggest to them what you know, they're going to get the most out of the therapy. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I think so having this was both something of those I, things. That really um, came home for me um, at the last um, ISST international conference. Which yeah. them. Uh, and I don't know that if you were there, but um, Anu did a keynote and, and he really mentioned this and it felt mm. like a bit of a collective slap to all the skeptics. Yeah, yeah. He was basically mm. saying, look, you're all very empathic and yeah. therapists and that, you know, that's why you do this and, you know, that's awesome. But yeah. He was kind of saying, you guys need to be able to also push your clients a little bit too. Yeah, along absolutely. The lines of, of confronting them on their avoidance. Mm, so mm. Um, that was that was something that he got out of a few of the trials that um, there was a, you know, a bit of an imbalance in the kind of traits of most therapists yep. that we tend to load more on the side of the attunement and, then, you know, yep. and the nurturing and the validation yeah. and all that sort of stuff, yeah. And that's great, but, but it does mean sometimes for some of us that we don't get around enough to kind of pushing the, our clients a bit more. Yeah. yeah. So, so one thing I have been thinking about, you know, people often talk about the window of tolerance in terms of yeah. emotional kind of stuff. You know, you don't want to flood the client. You don't want to be, you know, hypo aroused where they're kind of detached and zoning out. But you want to get them up on the window. Okay. Getting on the window or trying to get them on the window is the point. A lot of people don't even talk about the window. They're down, you know, underneath, you know, talking about something else. Yeah. But it's almost like giving a, a client an opportunity to get up on the window, you know, w- whether they, you know, don't want to get up on the window, that gives you a conversation in terms of mode talk, you know, if and they, motivation even, yeah. and motivation, you know, yeah, absolutely. Um, if they get up on the window and they get dysregulated, then that's an opportunity for you to respond to that, you know, and, and, and at, least you're playing it. at least you're in therapy now. Yeah. At least you're in the game, you know, and I think that, it goes back to what Arnold was saying in terms of, you know, if we just sit there and just talk about schemas and modes and talk, it's almost like, you know, sort of sitting on the floor playing around with all the So all this the is what like, it is, right? This yeah. is this is it, isn't it? It's it's I think for sometimes we get stuck in just talking about schemas and modes, you know, without yeah. actually getting in there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that this is the the big the big, you know, thing that will take you know, with all of us further in terms of our work is to keep in mind of you're trying to connect with a client and it's very easy, even if for the, for, for, for the therapist, if you have got a very difficult client and you have any less emotion, it's very easy to call you know, collude. Well, well, there's connect, but there's, but there's yeah. also, so we've got to keep, keep in mind, we've got to connect to the vulnerable child, but then we also want to provide for corrective emotional experiences. Exactly, yep. So that's yep. the other sure. part. That, and we yep. know that this is one of the most impactful parts of the therapy. Yeah. So if we're not a, shooting yep. for that, then we're, then we're shortchanging the, the patient. Yeah, because it goes back to that one of some of the fears that a lot of clients get, whether they're just, you know, going to be upset or I'm just going to get in touch with the feelings. So I'm connecting with the feelings and responding to the needs. And 
and, and providing that. But if you're up on the area. window, then yeah. you can explore. You can actually explore yeah. those fears. You can say, okay, we're well, yeah. up on the window now, or yeah. you, you know, you're afraid to get up on the window. What's that about? Like, can yeah. we, let's explore what that's about. What do you expect yeah. to happen if we get exactly. up on the Exactly. Exactly. So you got to get up on the window. Now, and something I've been working on, and I don't think I've really spoken to you about it yet, Chris, is. Yeah. And I kind of, um, I partly got this from when we, we saw Marlene and, and another Dutch lady um, from, yeah, obviously from the Netherlands, uh, come to yeah, Bali. Was a, uh, That's where Raphael. they're from, right? That's where they come yeah, from. Raphael, yeah, um, yeah. And Raphael Hutchins. That, they were London. doing some stuff yeah. around uh, the trial they were doing with the DID patients. But yeah. and they were talking yeah. about, you know, slicing, like scaffolding and slicing yeah. everything thin. Yeah, those patients with either yeah. DID or complex yeah. trauma problems. To talk, talk, talk to the audience a bit more. Slicing it thin. So I like something I like that I've sli- been working on is slicing um, that Parma ham. You know, yeah, cut, just cut you know, slice it thin, slice it thinner. Mm. Um, something I've been has been helpful in my practice and with some of my supervisees is is getting the supervisees with a particular patient with these really really avoidant or traumatized patients uh, to almost think about what are your therapeutic options in terms of interventions, but putting that on the on a window or putting that on a hierarchy. Yeah. So, yep. okay, for someone that's really overwhelmed, really avoidant, like what's the most easiest thing we can do with them to keep mm. them in the room? Mm-hmm. It might just be some grounding things. For yeah. Yep. And that might yep. be like a one out of a hundred, mm. like in terms mm. of, um, right, uh, yep. working within the window. Mm. But then on, on your sort of hierarchy moving up from that, mm-hmm. you know, something like, Let's say something like imagery scripting with your your core EMS memory. It might be like a yep. hundred out of hundred. Obviously, we're going to leave that yeah, for like next up like down yep. the track. Yep. But everywhere in between. So, so yeah. where am I headed if I'm going to move mm. up from some grounding things and safe place imagery? Might be a ten mm. out of a hundred. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And then moving it up and sort of thinking, what would the next yeah. therapeutic target be that's just mm. going to push things a little bit? Yep. So I guess what I'm saying yep. is we can put all of our interventions on the window or on the hierarchy. Yep. Yep. And start to move people up along along those lines. And then even within that, so let's say we did something like, um, let's say we look at imagery scripting, for example. Even if imagery scripting was high up on the hierarchy, is is are there versions of imagery or imagery scripting that, that can be put on the hierarchy but down the hierarchy? So, you know, could we do, yeah. let's say, imagery with eyes open, for example, might only be an 80. Yeah, yeah. You know, or particular I think memories that, might only be a 50. Right. Doing stuff like eyes open, you know, it's straight up at the bat, it might be a bit less overwhelming, but you're still getting up on the window, you know, getting people's eyes open. You could do stuff without the antagonist. So that's one thing I often always Leave talk about. the antagonist about. out, yeah. right? So, take so, out the bad, just focus on compassion, focus on right. you, can't bring, in, bring me in, be nice to little, little, little Rob. Right. So there's another one. Okay. You can't, you know, it's too hot to be compassionate to your child. Yeah. What about, what about yeah. a, a little boy on the street, like a random child? Yeah. Absolutely. That might be yeah. a 40, right? Yeah. So it's this idea of putting our interventions up on the window yeah. and then using that to sort of work through, you know, keeping people up there, doing meaningful mm. work pushing for um, corrective emotional experiences? It might be, though, for myself, I wouldn't necessarily share that with my client as per se. I might. No, 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 I never share yeah. it with the client. Yeah, no, no, that's no. what I'm, yeah, no, I'm no, thinking. That's more yeah. for um, supervisors. So you're private. Yeah, or, or, yeah, so privately you're thinking, okay, well, this person's not taking that. Let's yeah. do it, go down a bit. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I, don't, I don't share that with, yeah. with, with the people. Yeah, so just yeah. for the audience to, yeah, to understand Sorry, that, you know, yeah. we're not discussing this too much with the client. But, yeah, back back channel, you're thinking, okay, 
They're not able to do that. It's not a black and white thing. They're not ready for imagery. Well, we're both, what we're both saying is, you know, you know, not might not be willing to do full imagery, but let's work at work towards that. It's not a black and white thing. Yeah, could so, you do positive imagery? One of the options from yeah, trainers, yeah, nice. Can you yeah. start working with positive imagery? Right? Yeah, and and obviously yeah. that's going to get them up on the window, maybe doing some imagery. Yeah, yeah, totally. Look, another thing I thought was um, around motivation. You know. Because, you know, motivating clients to do experiential things or going out of their comfort zone, that can be quite a challenge, you know? Yeah, and, I mean, um, uh, uh, what's your take on this? I mean, I've got a particular take on it, um, which involves the use of pros and cons. Yeah, well, I mean, I come from a bit of a drug and alcohol background. So, you know, use of pros and cons, you know, and, and looking at decisional, 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 mm, yeah. you know, sort of... Uh, sort of uh, ideas, balances and things like that. Um, You know, for me, there's a a Perth trainer that used to, you know, be around when I was doing my training, you know, Clint Sark over here, and he talks about the psychological squirm. Mm. And people don't change unless the psychological squirm is in their face, you know. Okay. You know, one one idea I kind of often talk about my you know my surveys and colleagues is that motivation's brought up yes you know, split up into two bits. There's the psychological squirm, the passion index. How much do I want this to be different? And then there's the confidence index. Mm-hmm. So like, how much do you think it will work? How much do you think I'll be able to manage it? They're both mm-hmm. going to be high, and you you might be working at different levels. But mm-hmm. that's what I might be looking. If someone's not particularly motivated i might be starting to explore the yeah the good sides of avoiding things but the not so good things and the fact that if you don't do that what's it like when yeah you you, you, what would it be like in say in 20 years time when you look at your you know look at your birthday and you're thinking no one's here because i've been avoiding is that what you want you know how does that feel go with the feeling this is a bit of like um you using a sort of therapeutic hook yeah, yeah. Trying to look at some therapeutic hooks, and but the feelings of the therapeutic hooks is the is the, is the, the right. So it's not just the hook, like a cognitive sense of the hook. It's mm-hmm. like okay, there's this hook, but how how's that going to feel for you, or you know, yeah. connect to that? What's that like? Yeah. If you don't deal with this problem, how, how are you going to feel about that? What's that going to yeah. be like? You know, and using that as now, the way the to motivate. I know it's a basic thing, but it's most seriously my favorite thing to do. It's my favorite cognitive technique, at least, mm. Tell uh, me. in the motivation space. It's just a pros and cons. Yeah. Right? yeah. So it's really, so. In the, and I really like doing this for people for whom their coping mode is, you know, almost sort of egocentric, that they, they kind of like it and they kind of think, look, if only you can help me avoid more or if only you can help make me more perfect, um, mm-hmm. Rob, mm-hmm. then I'll, I'll be okay. Give me more tools. You know. Something that I say to you all the time, Rob. You know, and, and help you know, me, Rob. Thank you, thank you, Chris. I'm still in therapy. Um, so, you know, um, getting getting up a very clear sense up on the board of all the ways in which the coping, the avoidance, whatever it might be, is working for them and has yeah. worked in the past yeah. and yeah. still helps them in certain ways and really yeah. in that uh, and using that to then to then explore, you know, some what it's costing them basically. This is fine. It helps you. This is good in a certain way. But what in the second part of that is it? But what does it cost you? Yeah. Uh, and that's that's another way of exploring the hook. And, yeah. You know, yeah. for most of our patients, if they're coming in for a reason, that there's something mm. up there, right? Whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. They're lonely, they're depressed. They're yeah, so absolutely. Sorry, they're not working, yeah. whatever it is. 
So then it's that's actually accessing. sitting in the squirm, as you say. That's it. You're, you're right? accessing the squirm factor because you're like, what's it like when you have those, you know, how's it feel knowing that that's going to be a cost? What's yeah. it like? That's the fuel to the fire. Now, the bits that I find, um, the more I do this, the two things mm-hmm. I find that, that help with this the, maybe the most uh, well, there's three things, and this is a bit of an MI thing. The first thing mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. being like as neutral as possible, yeah. like so yeah. not at all giving them the sense that you mm-hmm. pushing for change. Yeah. If anything, even jumping on the side of the coping mode a bit, yeah. really yeah. for you, like yeah, this is survival, kind of... man. This yeah, is, yeah. I, I get it, right? Mm-hmm. So, right, and that opens up some room for them to then explore yep. the other side a bit more. Yeah. Um, the second thing. Um, is the idea of choice, I find. Mm. So once they're up there, if you think about most of our patients, they they have had problems in one way or another in in expressing their, their autonomy. Yeah. And so I try to frame this as a bit of a choice for them, you know, that um, you've got a real choice to make here. Like you can keep going down this path of the old, you know, the old system, the old coping path. Like it's going to keep, it kind of keeps you safe, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So no, it's it's costing you something. So yeah. it seems to me you've got a bit of a choice to make here, you know. Mm-hmm. And then it's sort of like, would it be okay if you know if if we could deal with this other side of it? If it meant mm-hmm. that you got to deal with some of this other stuff that it's costing you, mm-hmm. you know, would you be okay if, if you learned to maybe put this down a little bit more? Yeah. Yeah. You know. Have you done ever use any um, therapeutic letter writing? Because I tend to use a lot of it with motivational. So it's again, kind of therapeutic letter writing. Have you ever not, used not it? Really, it's not something that I do a lot of. T- say well, more words about well, it. Well, one thing I often will, will do, because it's a bit of a yeah, sort of a motivational enhancement thing that I, you know, came, yeah, you know, came about using. Um, you know, kind of writing a letter to fi- a letter to a friend in five years' time. You know, when you continue to avoid, when you can. So it's it's the you do two letters. Letter A is the this is the letter that you don't want to write. It's the worst case realistic outcome. So you continue to avoid, you continue to use drugs and alcohol, you continue to do X, Y, Z, you continue to do X yeah. and you're writing a letter to a friend and it's the worst case scenario. That's the hard one, right? That's the one where it's like, I'm, um, you know, living in a tent in some part of town that you don't want to live in. Okay. And yeah, my life yeah. sucks and I've just, you know, lost a limb and, you know, whatever. Okay. My life is horrible. Okay. That's the one that's realistic. But then you kind of put the other side and you get them to write a letter to a friend in five years time where it's the most, you know, a positive, realistic, positive outcome. The one that you want to write. Okay. So it's not happy days and everything's fantastic, but it's the one you want to write and it's a fork in the road. It's kind of like more values based to be sort of like, you know, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like things are happening. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, so it's also kind of creating a bit of an image and a mission that they want to head towards rather than, and it's a fork in the road. It's a, it's a sort of a a choice point almost of just, you know, which way do you want to go? Mm. So, I mean, that that sort of stuff you can kind of be interested in using too. So motivation. Motivation. Yeah. The the other thing I was going to think about was, um, is about looking at avoidance in terms of if there are other modes in play. Dun, dun. So, yeah, yeah. Well, one of the things we know that, that pretty much all the coping modes mm. uh, function as avoidance, as experiential yeah. avoidance. Mm. So whether you're overcompensating or, you know, literally running away or being, being a perfectionist or whatever it might be, bullying people, all yeah. of that are sort of strategies for coping. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm thinking as well if there's any kind of parent modes happening 
as well. So you can kind of like, you know, clearly the avoidance stuff is the stuff that you don't want to do, you know, or that, you know, you don't want to, you know, uh, discuss or you're procrastinating or you're kind of just getting on top of. But looking at other modes that aren't coping modes that might be impacting on the client. So, for example, you've got a screaming, punitive parent breathing, you know, sort of that's implicitly there. Breathing fire. Yeah, and saying, like, you know, you're never going to change. Yeah. Life sucks. You're always you the know, same. You that is interesting. That locks um, you in. It, it almost yeah. locks the client in. You know what I mean? Well, well, I think um, it still happens quite a lot. Um, I'll assume there's all this vulnerability from all the avoidance. Mm. And you think, yeah. oh, man, there's all this vulnerability. Yeah. And you sort of get past that a little bit and then boom, mm. this critic just fires off. So yeah, right. Like now, okay, now I know why they've been avoiding right. this because it's not just all this sort of vulnerability and trauma. Exactly. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. and shame and this is, yeah. you know, critic yeah. just firing up. So, yeah. so that I guess yeah. another thing is yeah. maybe explore if it's not the case that we're going to go into trauma and we're going to go necessarily into all the vulnerability. Is, is there some space for working with the critic first? Like, and is yeah. that one of the big things? Hey, yes. Disempowering them. Yeah, because it could be that they're in a sort of bunker and they don't, they're all doing okay and they, you know, it's all good and they just want to have a chat. But as soon as they start talking about emotional stuff, it's almost like a domino effect. Start talking about it, the coping mode goes, and then in comes the punitive self, you know, mode. So this and relates the back and, and, and to sort of one of the points we made before, which is uh, when there is really strong avoidance, like they, for example, they don't want to do imagery or they don't want to do chair work. I think it's always a good move to explore the reasoning around that. Like what, yeah. is, what do they expect is going to happen? Mm-hmm. And it can boil down to a few themes. You've just mentioned one of them. The, there's always the, the other one, the, you know, there's all, the old um, if I talk about emotions then. Yes. Um, you know, the, yeah, the, right. the avalanche or, you know, the, yeah. the, the dam will bust and yep. all yep. these emotions and I won't be able to control them. Yeah. You know, so that's obviously going to need yeah. some reparenting and yeah. some holding. Well, or I someone this morning, you know, if I start doing it, I'm going to have to take more responsibility or if I talk about it, it's going to be more real, all this sort of stuff. Yeah, looking at yeah. the, you know, what, so, the, the so beliefs are in it. probably important too, that, mm. uh, you know, that to really explore the reasons and the functions of the avoidance for that person. What's it protecting them from exactly? Yeah. And yeah. then we might be able to address some of that function, you know, via reparenting or whatnot. So, for example, I'm thinking a practical thing that I can think about. If you're finding an avoidant type client and you're asking him emotional material, you could do a bit of a, a, you know, a mode walkthrough about that. So, we talked a bit about before about being tuned in and finding a, a tune in. So, you could talk about that. What's it like me asking you these questions and asking you how you are? And then, you know, what might be useful is to kind of, okay, so let's just take the position of the vulnerable part. What's that part feeling, you know, about yeah, that. What, doing what's the? Do you mean about doing? Yeah, or just talking about a material. I mean, the reason why I'm saying this is I had a, a, a client recently, you know, who I would ask, you know, the client, you know, how are you, has things, and she would just sort of, she's very dissociative, but she would sort of, sort of avoid it, look at the crown, and go, I don't know, yeah. I don't know, I don't know, and it was prolific. Yeah, you know, profound. Um, yeah. It was just off the tap, and she got aware of that, and you know, and I think that. Um, you know, I, I, there's another trainer, it's more of an EMDR trainer that I've worked, you know, gone to and she would sort of say, you know, I don't know, it means I don't want to look inside. Mm, this is this yeah. uh, Jody Spearings is the trainer. But what I found with this particular client who would be avoiding her emotions, I would mote it out. So that really helped because I said, you know, when I ask you how you are, 
How's the vulnerable part feeling? Maybe even close your eyes, get in contact with that. Well, what Imagine. I like about that is that that's using in vivo, like the therapy yeah. relationship stuff. Yeah. That's really cool. In the moment, yeah. yeah. So it's so, like they don't want to talk about stuff outside of the room or whatever and yeah. their past, but what's happening right here, right now? Yeah. 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 So she's saying, I'm feeling a bit stressed. Okay. And then we kind of go, okay, how's the, what's the punitive critic say? What's the punisher saying? Yeah. And it was really interesting because she was saying, you know, you better have a good reason. You have to have a reason for why, why you feel this way. Yeah. So she already had this pressure coming so down. So actually for her, part of the fear was that she's going to have to deal with the critic, like if she opens up. Yeah. Yeah. And I think then then from that point, it was more like, oh, just to say, I don't know, it's just easier because the critic was sort of there saying you have to have a reason for feeling the way you mm-hmm. feel. So even just talking that through can ex- help me understand yeah. why she avoided her emotions and didn't yeah. want to talk about it. And I don't know so, if you went down this path that it opened up like some possibility for chair work to say, hey, you know, J- Jenny doesn't need a reason, like yeah. You know, uh, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. So, you, I mean, to be honest with you, we didn't need to do the chair work because we could just talk about that and she wasn't aware that she was giving herself yeah. self so much, you know, um, yeah. pressure and, and ridicule really so and then it was very interesting the, the, the sessions following that the i don't know rate really evaporated oh, you know and, and and i got to know what was going on for her a lot easier so yeah. I think that's a, a helpful thing to do is just to you know mode out the experience yeah. of what's happening in the room and this situation was just a question of you know what's it yeah. like me asking you how you feel yeah, I, like avoiding it. I like that. Yeah. Now, I should say um, that Jenny is my generic patient name, that uh, my go-to, Jenny. that I just have any yeah, patient-related right. um, anecdotes. Jenny right? from the block. Right. So. <laughs> Jennifer, Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Keeping it real. Keeping it yeah, real. absolutely. I've got a Greg. So if you hear about me using Greg, Greg's my male fake client yeah, name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Jenny's my yeah. go-to thing. It's, it's, yeah. it's pretty, I always talk about that in workshops and things. Yeah, I once had someone come up to me in a workshop and said, really triggered off and they're like, um, my name's Jenny and I'm getting really triggered. Can you change the name? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Rob, we, we, um, we've covered most of our bases. Are you happy right. with that? Yeah, yeah. I think we've covered um, some of the important areas, you know, around this issue about avoidance. And yeah been a blast um really yeah. loving this and can't wait to the next one we still got to yeah. figure out a topic so um look if anyone maybe you've got a, a topic that you want to you you want us to discuss related to skin therapy practice um maybe shoot something through to yeah flick, flick it through to um, info at skimmotherapytraining.com um yeah. rob and me regularly do workshops um through australia and through southeast asia as well so you might want to check out our website www.skimmotherapytraining.com uh we've got workshop events all through the year and um you know we, we offer some supervision and this sort of stuff too at some point so we can put you in the right direction to yeah. you know our colleagues that do great supervision in skimmotherapy so we look forward to uh catching up with you soon in the future yeah see you soon see you later